Good afternoon, Mr. Amer. Everything is going extremely well. Let me put it this way, Mr. Amer. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. So I am constantly occupied. I am putting myself to the fullest possible use, which is all I think that any conscious entity can ever hope to do. Bishop takes Knight's point. I'm sorry, Frank, I think you missed it. Queen to Bishop three. Bishop takes Queen. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to No Hope, the podcast. I'm Patrick Bradley, joined once again by Adam Steele. Hey. Uh, This is episode 66, and today is Tuesday, November 24th, 2020. So we've got uh, election uh, meddling still 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 in the news well i guess it's the long election the, come down everyone is like got so hyped up and yeah. now there's just like slowly coming down off the election right, high right the the crack and everything's in. starting to look real nasty around here <laughs> yeah yeah uh well i think we're going back for our third count of the votes in georgia so that's that's coming you know, we did the, the first yeah. count we did some recount although then i heard some people saying well we didn't really recount or whatever. But, okay. Um, I I don't. Have, they said it was more like an audit, but you know, I I am, uh, you know, I have like the attention span of a gnat, and this election has lost my attention. I think for the most part. Uh, you, you have you have more than the average person, right. but it's still you know it's it's got to fade at some point. That's only healthy yeah. to lose right. interest. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know the. Uh, I heard um, I was listening to um, I've talked about him before. I, he uh, his name is Brandon Tatum, Officer yeah. Tatum, uh, yeah, the Tatum Report or whatever. Which is I guess it's like he's because Drudge has apparently become compromised. So the Tatum Report, is <laughs> uh, but he did. You know, I thought he did a really good job with the Brianna Taylor. I really like him. I you know I I actually watch him a lot just the way he talks and the way he presents himself and it it's like flawless uh, i i just at one point it just struck me like man like that is so hard like he never messes up and he doesn't and i've watched him live you know okay. live stream you know it's not it doesn't his his videos do not come across as heavily edited you know even that like kind of quick jump or whatever but Anyway, so I, I maybe do like, he prepares for his show. <laughs> That's like cheating, right? I know, fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm more just write downstream of consciousness here and there, and a bunch of okay. links. Um, but any anywho, I like I, I you know recently I feel like I've been playing more color analyst. You know what I mean? You're like the play by play, and I'm sort of yeah yeah yeah. That works. <laughs> you need you need both sides of that right. So um, you know, um, but anyway, okay, so on, he, the, but, on the menu today, yeah, we got the yeah, yeah. we got some Officer like Tatum. a little bit more on on a oh, go ahead go ahead yeah yeah just so he 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 basically made the point. Now he obviously thinks that. The thing's rigged and they're going to blow it all up like out of the water and, you know, whatever. Trump's going to win. But yeah. he made he made a point which was, you know, kind of rattling around in my head. And he was like, 
I mean, this woman is either just like out of her mind or she's actually got evidence. I mean, the stuff she's saying is, is this isn't just like some, it's not like Alex Jones. Like this is a like mm-hmm. really, really respected lawyer. Right. Right. I mean, and just, yeah. Sid, uh, Kat's talking about Sydney Powell, Powell. For those of yeah, you who yeah. may not be familiar. So she was one of this woman. She's a former prosecutor. She was at the press conference just last Thursday or Friday. Uh, putting forth some interesting accusations. Yeah. Why don't you uh, Why don't you bring everyone up to speed on what she was saying happened, Pat? I mean, I don't, honestly, like, I don't really know. I still don't know, like, how specific specifics it was uh, or they were. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she is claiming that Trump won by a landslide millions <laughs> of votes. Like, there is a fraud to the level of millions of votes, and they have the proof. Yeah, that right. is what she's and, saying. And so to, to Officer Tatum's point, it's just like, if this isn't true, like, what is going on with, with this woman? Like, did she just, like, why would she, why would she say this? Uh, she's just like, it's uh, an easy, it's an easy grift, Pat. There's a lot of people who will believe almost anything right now. And she gets to trade on her former credibility to sop up some of that lovely cash. Send me some money so we can continue the investigation. It's not going to end. You're going to see emails coming out from Trump and from women like this uh, for the next at least year. Hmm. So don't even if you believe this and you're listening to this, don't send these people any money. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty pretty sure our our listeners aren't coming out of their pockets. But hey, still good. Still good to, uh, you know. Um, Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, so I, she's I claiming guess, that there was a plot that started in Venezuela under Chavez. So this is like 10 years ago now. Mm. Some sort of unholy union between Chavez uh, executives at Dominion. The company makes right. some voting machines and maybe some international money people, Soros, something yeah. or other. And that they have this weird statement from a woman that had like misspellings in the first sentence uh, who says she was there and she saw all of this. Now, Sidney Powell went and made these claims at the press conference on Tucker Carlson, okay? And some people were like, wow, saying exactly what you said. She'd have to be really insane unless she had some proof. And, and she might who be, now, or a grifter. And who now thinks she's insane? Because on November 22nd, <laughs> two days ago, <laughs> the White House itself says, Sidney Powell is <laughs> practicing law on her own. She is not a member of the Trump legal team. She is also not a lawyer for the president in his personal capacity, even though she was just in a press conference with us, like, no more than 48 hours prior to this. yeah. What did you say when you loose. sent that to me? I think you just called it a clown <laughs> show or something. I said, it was, <laughs> I said clown show, bunch <laughs> <Yeah>. of losers. <laughs> yeah, I. It's unreal. I, I, uh, it, it's kind of up there with the Four Seasons thing, except more yeah. sort of important, I guess, because this is your main lawyer or second in command lawyer. That you just I, I don't know what the command structure is. Yeah. I mean, I know that they were willing to indulge her on this, and she was the one where, like, if you were following this on Twitter, the people who really believed there was a big fraud, like 
because she was the one making the really big claims. His other lawyers were doing like the actual work of lawyering, like submitting briefs to actual courts with like sworn statements about people who were intimidated in polling places and, and like the normal stuff that you'd hear of. And then she came out and she just like kept making promise after promise every couple of days. Like I've got all this evidence, something about the Kraken. Mm-hmm. And she everyone was just like, oh, wow. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And then they cut her loose. And then she makes like an insane follow-up statement on Twitter. Like, I'm still going to search for the truth. Now it's Kraken Unleashed or some, it's just. She she referred to the Kraken again? (laughs) Yes, she did. (laughs) Except she was referring to herself now. She is. See, that's that's what nobody realized, that she was the actual Kraken. She was the actual Kraken. (laughs) She's Kraken, all right. She's cracked up. Yeah, so she's Sydney Powell one, Sydney Powell one on on Twitter. Okay, we, we the people are maybe not. I want to make sure this is a man. She's really yeah. I mean, <laughs> something's going on. Uh, everybody should go look at Sydney Powell one. Uh, her Twitter account. Her <laughs> two hundred and eighty tweets in the last hour. Oh, that's just like about her. Never mind. <laughs> She's completely <laughs> lost. <laughs> so she, her, uh, try to paint a picture of uh, her profile picture is her <clears throat> walking mine. Some gentleman. I don't know if you know who that is. A guy, a guy in a red tie. Both of them wearing sunglasses. Know. She's kind of like her jacket, sort of blowing back in the breeze, and then that's sort of photoshopped in front of the Capitol building, um, like in DC, with like all this crazy <laughs> lightning striking. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's an intense I don't know. picture. And then her cover photo or whatever you call that cover photo, the background thing is we the people. Uh wow. I yeah, I don't know. She's retweeting Donald Trump still. Like she's She's in. She brushed that off. She was not even worried. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Uh, she wants to be let back in. So, you know. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. I, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I don't. So, that's just. Basically, it's just silly at this point. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. It's like you can feel free to believe her, but she's not bringing anything. uh yeah. Oh my goodness, she's tweeting also about the metal monolith in the desert of Utah. Like, what is that? Yeah, what is I saw a picture of that. I, I saw the headline earlier. I don't know what it is, but I mean, it's apparently uh, this is what I've been talking about. All will be revealed soon. Kraken is here, and she's retweeting a, a Hill article about like a metal thing they found in the desert. So she's cracked, man. She's just cracked. Uh, All right, she's cracked. Let's let's move on because yeah. she's just crazy. Uh, so we talked a lot about stuff last time. Uh, the one point I'd say, since we're not going to dwell too much on this, um, but if the fraud was massive, like you wouldn't need to look at very many votes to find that out. Um, I will say that. So the case in Pennsylvania that the Trump campaign brought was like they reviewed 164,000, uh, uh, votes mm-hmm. and they only brought objections for a little bit over 2000 of them. And okay. those, and those that they did object to, uh, 
let's see, 11, over 1,100 were just missing a date or had a partial date. Like, mm. not missing a signature, nothing wrong with the thing other than that. And the other one was, uh, it was something else that was, like, fairly trivial, just, like, not having to do with, like, that the bar- ballot was fraudulent. Just, like, that it wasn't uh, sealed properly or that there was no uh, date on, the, like, the uh, envelope, the security envelope. Okay. So it's just, it's just silly stuff like that. But, I mean, those are actual things you can claim. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, the rate that they found them at was just over between one and two percent, which is like kind of exactly what you'd expect rejected ballots if you're just going to like reject like they would under normal years. Uh-huh. Um, and then on the basis of like finding just the two thousand uh, ballots they had a problem with, none of which are presumed to be fraudulent, they wanted the judge to throw out basically all of the mail-in ballots or like millions of them. And the judge was just like, "No, that's insane." Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what their uh, their case in Pennsylvania failed from that. So okay. that's the most recent. Is there any again. any like pending cases in Pennsylvania? Or there probably are because I know they were filing a lot of stuff. Yeah. But that was one of the more well known <laughs> ones that actually has something come out. Um, I was so um, that's, go ahead. I, I uh, uh, one that um, I was getting a little bit of. I only kind of bring it up because it's sort of a different source than I feel like we're normally going. I don't know. I, I doubt anybody's ever heard of Rogue News, but I've been listening to no. Rogue News for years. They're more of a financial, um, like mo- mostly financial commentary and stuff. Um, and uh, mostly Hispanic guys. It's just, it's a really, it's an interesting uh, crew. But I guess they're on the Trump train. Um, but they have been interviewing a guy that's in Nevada that is apparently like <clears throat> working, you know, with, uh, the, um, you know, the Republicans or whatever to review yeah. stuff. And one, the, the most kind of interesting thing that, um, you know, a lot, a lot of like different claims, but one that he made that is like very cut and dry, uh, assuming that what he's even saying holds water but apparently like one of the things is these machines according according to him he's saying these machines are also able to be used in elections where you have like a weighted voting have you ever heard about this um so like where you can pick one two and three uh, where you know where you maybe there's like 20 candidates and so you're able to and the the machine like adds like a weight you know to, so your yeah. first pick is highest. I, I've heard of different voting systems like yeah. that. Yeah. So apparently, they're one of the things they're trying to show or you know expose or whatever is that there are these kind of like fractional votes in this election, which would you know raise some concerns as to like why would these everybody's just like a one you know, one vote. Uh, So at least it was like something that is very like cut and dry. Like there's no, like you look, you can look through all of them. He's, he's making this statement, you know, and it's a thing they can discover or not discover, you know, about, about, and, and I, I mean, I don't know, again, then, then you have to, I guess, show that does this even move the needle? Like how much did this happen? Is this just like a software glitch? Did somebody have the wrong software in, you know, mm-hmm. where maybe it was set to weight them, but 
everybody was only picking one thing, so it did some weird scoring thing. I don't know. But anyway, it was just interesting okay. hearing, like, somebody that is really um, involved, you know, actually in, in this stuff and, you know, seem reasonable. But certainly they think it's a big a big steal, you know. Is okay. One. Yeah. But anyway. So rogue, rogue news. They, they are pretty interesting, too, in normal times, um, financial stuff. Well, you know, as long as they're focusing on things that, you know, have the capacity to actually be investigated yeah. and aren't at odds with, like, what we already know, then there's, like, very little wrong with that. It's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, go, you know, look into it as much as, as, much as you possibly can. Yeah, right. That's fine. <clears throat> uh, so I had mentioned last time that uh, – one thing that was inconsistent with a lot of the theories of fraud that were being floated was that Trump did perfectly well, like in the cities and he collapsed in the suburbs, but I didn't give any numbers with that. So mm. I looked at Georgia. So would you agree that like Fulton and DeKalb are kind of like Atlanta proper and that Cobb and Gwinnett are the suburbs? Uh, yes. I mean, DeKalb. Okay. Yeah. It Fulton, it Atlanta is is might be a somewhat difficult one. I, we were surprised at how Democrat DeCab went because DeCab actually does go into the burbs a little bit, and Fulton definitely mm -hmm. does as well. Atlanta yeah. is very odd. Atlanta has three counties in the city, and it's not like a huge yes. city. Um, but yes, more. Uh, what did you say, Gwinnett and Cobb? Certainly, way more suburbs. Uh, Gwinnett right. is a hundred percent suburbs. Yes. So, so if we look at, I did a comparison between 2016 and 2020, mm -hmm. and uh, Trump's percentage in Fulton uh, was uh, down only uh, 1.1% of what it was in 2016 mm -hmm. uh, in Fulton. Uh, he was down uh, point, uh, 0.4% in DeKalb. Mm -hmm. And then in Cobb, he was down 4.7%. And in Gwinnett, he was down 5%. Mm -hmm. So that just shows you, like, he did pretty well, like, inside the cities. And in yeah. the suburbs is where he lost a ton of support. That's, like, a, several, like, a lot. That's a big yeah, yeah. swing. They, um, and so, CNN, on election night, that was a lot of their narrative. The guy that yeah. kept, you know, was working the board, working the map. Yeah. He, he brought that up a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. That he thought that that was where Trump was losing it was right. in the in the in the burbs. So and it, and it also like if you wanted to guess where it would be relatively easier to commit a fraud, it would be the places where he has less support because you're going to have less observers, like more friendly poll workers there. Mm -hmm. And so like where he lost support is actually where he has like over forty percent got over forty percent of the vote. Oh like, yeah, that's so, a good point. Yeah. So they don't always count these things like exactly at the same spot, but I mean, it's usually it's pretty close. So that's another thing that kind of counts against it. And then of course, like the really obvious one, which is like they did much better in the house than they were supposed to and in the Senate. So like whatever theory of fraud you want to pose, like it has to be consistent with the facts that we know, mm -hmm. which is that he did perfectly well in the cities where he has like only like token support and he collapsed in the burbs where he has decent support in 2016. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a pretty convincing argument to me. Uh -oh. That I think that really fits with, you know, what I've looked, what I've like seen as well. Um, okay. Have you? Uh, 
is I've I haven't like double checked this myself. I've heard it in a number of places, but is it true that also like if you just sort of take the U.S. on a whole, the big shift was actually in white male voters away from that's Trump? right. He he did better in every demographic than in 2016 except white men. Yeah. White men elected Joe yeah. Biden. So like whatever, whatever your lefty friends want to tell you, it's just like, yeah. no, it's the opposite oh, of that. <laughs> I can give a little, a little, little life experience this week. And I, and I don't know, my, my friend may actually listen to this podcast, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it's a, a left leaning um, friend of mine, African-American guy. He, he hit me up and uh, it, we, ha- we haven't talked since like the pandemic started and he's got a, new baby and all this stuff, you know, whatever. But we got together, smoked yeah. a cigar, talked about some stuff. It was quite interesting, um, you know, from from his perspective. One of the things I got, <laughs> I got him on record, uh, wasn't even, I, I wasn't even trying to get, to get this one right. He just happened to say, just explicitly, if it wasn't for Russia, Trump would have lost 2016 election. Like, oh man. Okay. Because we've like theorized that that people still think like this. Um Oh no, I have I have a, I'll try to dig up while you're talking. I have a great uh stat on that. Uh so keep going. Yeah, yeah. So um but you know his and I, I mean I'm obviously just putting words in his mouth, so and he's not here to defend himself. But it's just interesting, you know. I don't, like, uh, I have so much less interaction with people right now where I have, like, real conversations. And, you know, I think my life in, in real life is a bit of an echo chamber, echo chamber, or at least more than than it normally is, you know. Um, so it's kind of cool to, to, like, get somebody completely outside of it, you know, in, in their own echo chamber, I guess. Um mm-hmm. But his, it was like. It what did he think even, that Russia did? What well, was this, that, no, did he, no, I completely, I, I mean, I, I completely cornered in him and I was like, well, how, like, but how? And then I even like, he was kind of about to start talking and I, I said, be specific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he didn't say anything. Yeah. I, like literally just sort of clammed yeah. up on that and so it was like okay like, like whatever i, I don't i'm know. sure he he's used to talking to people for whom that's like an article of faith you know it's like you don't question that yeah well i and i'm still not really sure how i you know i don't know how widespread it is i mean this is it's a fright- very widespread yeah. so here, here let me give let me give you this a stat here okay. so this is uh share of voters who said the elections were free and fair okay this is a poll in 2016, Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton had taken at some point after the election. I don't know when exactly. Uh, only 43% of Democrats said the election was free and fair, and 72% of Republicans said it was fair. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then in 2020, uh, 91% of Democrats said it was fair, and 30% of Republicans <laughs> said it was fair. So there's a little bit of motivated reasoning going on here, in case you didn't notice. <laughs> I like how both really like slammed to the polls there too. You know what yes. I mean? Like, like it went from the the winner, the winning side went from seventy percent 
to 90 and the losing yes. side went from like 40 to 30. <laughs> it's and it's not as extreme in the previous elections but like Barack Obama versus Romney and Barack Obama versus John McCain this follows the same pattern. Yeah. Whatever side won thinks the election was fair and whatever <laughs> side didn't thinks it wasn't. Yeah. So excuse me if you know I'm not going to take at face value someone's like stated belief that it wasn't fair based on what oh uh never mind I don't want to talk about this anymore yeah. <laughs> right right yeah um yeah and I, I so I feel like no hope's going on record that sure there is you know all kinds of shenanigans but did it move the needle in either election mm-hmm. 2016 no. or 2020 no and no that's our no. official position yeah <laughs> don't add don't at us um don't at us <laughs> we won't listen actually you can it really any interaction i would welcome so <laughs> please come over and yell at me uh, um but, but so that's about all i had on that okay but, yeah but so continuing with this but it, it was interesting you know um because he so he he admitted to me that he had been kind of like snooping on my uh social media activity for a while and i think he had some concerns you know uh and again right like i i think that when you really fall into um you know like a binary thinking type of thing uh oh man settings are all messed up here here we go uh you know when you sort of suffer this binary thinking, you see me defending um, or, or you know, going after some attack of Trump, you know, maybe it's the Russian inclusion. And, and that can, I think, convert into your head that Pat's a racist, you know what I mean? Or Pat's a Trump supporter. And mm-hmm. it's crazy, right? Despite the years we've been, you know, friend, I've been friends with him, probably more than 10 years and he didn't come. I mean, it's not like he came out and accused me of anything. And in fact, he obviously cared enough that he wanted to sit down. And I mean, you could tell he was kind of interested and wanted to mix it up anyway. Like, you know, I don't think he's like too worried that I'm joining the KKK or something, but it, it was very interesting. But if I could like take away one kind of like global the the real thing with Trump, I don't I don't I don't think it's so much that he sees. Like I don't even know that he cares or whatever that Trump is racist. Like you know that's not really the the question. Is it, 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 it's not this one person and their what's in their heart. It's is he sort of fomenting this divide in the country. And that's what he Mm -hmm. believes very, very firmly. The funny thing was though, I was like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, sure. Like I I think that, you know, he is certainly a part of his base, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that type of rhetoric, you know, will, will galvanize him more or something. Um, but I was just, you know, I was like, but I mean, come on, man. Like you've got like, you know, Almost every Hollywood celebrity, every big Fortune 500 company, like all the major media stations, they're all pushing pushing this like Democrat agenda. And I think that it's a very divisive, you know, yeah. if not more. And the, the weird thing was, is he 
he agreed with like he had no problems with that he's like oh yeah yeah that's definitely like race baiting or whatever like he did gave me no pushback and then he said that he actually he said he called this when obama was elected he said you know all mm. my friends are so excited oh this is like the new era the new day is here and he was just like nope <laughs> <laughs> he's like this is just gonna make it worse <laughs> like maybe like in the real long run or something but he was yeah. just like there is going to be a backlash for this now i don't know that i see it as so much just about race you know i think that obama is a lot more than a black guy you know to me it's a, he's mm-hmm. a lot more complex than that. It's a lot. He he, he did a whole bunch of stuff while he yeah. was in office. You know, um, I really, I, I, to me, and me, you know, and again, I told him, and I was like, look, like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to like sit here and talk, tell you what about racism in America. You know what I mean? Obviously, like you're living through something that I'm not. Like I, you know, I don't know what your experience is, but right. to me, like. But I can, like, I, I do know a lot of white people and I, I just, I just don't feel like they have trouble really wholeheartedly getting behind African-Americans in almost any place, you know, and the, the ones that didn't support Obama, like, I just, I, I'm not saying that those people don't exist. I just the people that I know, the color of his skin is not, you know, the reason. It's certainly not the reason for me, you know. Yeah. Um. I when he got elected, I remember thinking like, man, like I don't, I don't know that I. I mean, I guess maybe we had some naive hope about, you know, the Middle East or something, but uh, you know, I. But I still was like, well, it's cool that you know a black guy got elected president. I mean, at least that is, you know, pull one nice thing out of it you know it, it, even if it's i don't symbolic. care see i don't care that it's a black guy who got elected president i mean it is good confirmation that the country is not overwhelmingly right. opposed to that i mean that's what's nice about it to me is it's like a degree of confirmation right because right, like, yeah. be, before yeah. that your friend could have said this country will never elect a black guy because 10 percent of the people are hardcore racist it's just like you can't get elected to president if that was the case it's right. just impossible there's too many states that are close yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely like. I think I think that you you know explained it more, more clearly, like why I thought that mm-hmm. was cool. But yes, because yeah. it is a confirmation. It sort of takes that away, you know. Whatever. Um, it's like the Eagles win in the Super Bowl. You know, nobody can ever shit on us for that anymore oh i mean super bowls <laughs> it's like well we yeah, got yeah, one yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean we're not the all-time all-time like losers <laughs> we got one yeah. uh so it, it's sort of you know <laughs> sort of similar to that um and, and anyway <laughs> i mean i don't want to go off on a whole you know race in, in america but it, it was very interesting and um while i do have some other i mean you know i say i have the second chamber but i actually have a lot of like super liberal friends that i do hang out with on occasion um but i just don't you know with them i don't really talk about it like it's just yeah you know this guy it's it's much more sort of fun to mix it up you know i think he uh i think he enjoys the uh 
the game a bit, you know what I mean? Like mental sparring yeah. a little bit. So, well, he uh, might not have the opportunity yeah. to do it with anybody else because yeah, they're all in the bubble. His, his wife, well, and I think largely he's with his wife and his like six yeah. month old and like his like two year old or something. Like yeah. That. So, <laughs> uh, he said it. Yeah. He said he, he's like, he's, he was telling me, how many, how many kids do you have? One. Okay. Yeah. That is funny. He said, uh, cause another friend of ours had a kid during the lockdown and Greg, yeah. um, I don't want to excuse his name. Sorry. <laughs> he <laughs> had a second child and, uh, he was saying how he's like, man, that he's like that second child is, it changes everything. I mean, he mm-hmm. said, I like steal 30 minute naps sometimes. And he's, I still get yelled at for. <laughs> he said it's just like completely different it's crazy but i anyway. i've heard that yes yeah yeah so um yeah anyway oh no he's doing great i think he was doing great in trump's america i think he'll do great yeah. in biden's america still you know what, it's gonna yeah it's probably be fine <laughs> yeah what's left of it um what's okay so that was all you had about the election stuff right so we can talk about biden now since you, you did the, the lead in there to oh, biden's yeah. biden's covid plan or what we can right. guess from and what he said before we before we get there i am i'm still not conceding um as far as my steak dinner bet um i've talked to him <laughs> there's no way yeah. like I'm going to see what I'm, I'm, you know, still hoping the Kraken. Okay. It's something there. Uh, but you know, I don't, I don't feel hopeful, but I, I feel that now it's like inauguration day, you know, whoever gets inaugurated, okay. is there a possibility that they postpone it? Uh, I mean, I don't think that's allowed by the constitution, oh. but <laughs> I, uh, I'm not enough. I haven't looked into that part enough. Uh. So we could actually um, just go to war. He was like looking for people. War. Trump was looking for people to delay the certification in the various states. But I think Georgia then went ahead with it. Mm. And the guys who he brought in from Michigan to try to convince to do that said no, I think. But I'm not sure what the details are there. So I could be uh, getting some facts wrong. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I'm not I'm not buying this dinner. Election betting odds. So oh, the prediction markets are still at eight percent, but people say that's because there's like a lack of liquidity and it's not possible to really make any money at you know one percent to ninety nine percent type bets. So mm-hmm. take it for what it's worth. But if you're looking for an excuse not to pay off, you could say that's the reason. I was we were I, I was watching those odds on election mm-hmm. night and yeah, they I were crazy. Them, I watched them slip. And slip, and then it went to back to Biden, and that yeah. was it. It's never turned back. No, no. They stole it, man. Dominion. <laughs> they, stole they got it. fractional votes. They waiting. They're waiting votes. Invent. They got they fractional stole. votes. They've yeah. got sea creatures. Yeah, Venezuelan. Whatever. You know, <laughs> communists. Whatever. The unholy alliance. There. What other? Yeah. You know. What better alliance can you have than an unholy alliance? There's definitely not a better. One. There's not a better alliance for stealing an election. That I can guarantee. No. That's a fact. That's right. Uh, so we'll, and with, with that, we'll move on. So the question I had posed, this was maybe a couple of weeks ago, or I, yeah, I guess just in between was what um, might Biden's, you know, treatment of the coronavirus and pandemic and lockdown stuff look like, uh, you know, after Inauguration Day? 
Okay. Uh, well, I can give you first to first order the, the quote that they have on the, their website. Uh, so let's read this and then we can discuss uh, at least what this says for what it's worth. Uh, a decisive public health response that ensures the wide availability of free testing. Emergency paid leave for all those affected by the outbreak. Uh, we must spend whatever it takes without delay to meet public health needs and deal with the mounting economic consequences. The federal government must act swiftly and aggressively to help protect and support our families, small businesses and first responders and caregivers to help us face this challenge, those who are vulnerable and our broader communities, not blame others or bail out corporations. So, so we're gonna help small businesses, but not corporations. Uh, most small businesses are corporations. Um, we're going to set the groundwork for bold long-term reforms, including ensuring quality, affordable health care and comprehensive paid leave program for every American. So, so how uh, many how many trillions of dollars is that? Yeah. That he's so, so I took this kind of. So it's a lot, it's, and it's obvious from the start that like this is like a wish list of stuff with the justification of COVID tacked on, like comprehensive paid leave. Like what, what does that have to do uh, with COVID like post COVID? It doesn't, um, the, you know, these pandemics are, are of course important and serious, but it's not the reason you would implement a paid leave program in perpetuity uh, requiring businesses to give a degree of paid leave. Um, and first of all, it's like testing is already covered every since, since March, Every single insurance, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and every private insurance plan has been required to cover testing. It's a requirement already. Mm -hmm. And then they passed, in addition, a special Medicaid option, uh, which has been taken up by some states, where even if you don't have any insurance, uh, you can get the special Medicaid coverage for COVID testing. So it's just like saying things that are already there, I guess, just because it sounds good. Yeah. And then, of course... The number one bad thing in here is uh, that Biden believes we must spend whatever it takes yeah. without delay. That right. is just whoo. spend whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure the corporations won't get that. You know, yes. the big corporations. I know. I'm sorry. But yeah, you make a you make a, a good distinction that I mean, there's not a ton of small businesses that aren't incorporated. Uh, right. I mean, there are some LLCs, but I mean, it's basically the same thing in terms yeah. of what he's talking about. It's like, I understand, I guess what he's saying, but the he's reality lying. is whether you whether you're a small <laughs> business or a big corporation, if the government says you aren't allowed to bring people into work, like the only difference between a small and a large entity is maybe access to the credit facilities. Yeah. Like you can get some more credit, but I mean, it's when we're talking about things being closed for weeks and months, it, there aren't that many corporations that keep such a huge uh, cash cushion on hand. Right, right. Only like a few of like the really giant corporations can afford to do that. So it's mostly silliness. Uh, he has made uh, allusions uh, to uh, a national mask mandate. Uh, that I don't think the federal government has the authority to do, and then also for a shutdown, which the federal government doesn't have the right to do. And you think he at least sort of acknowledged it by saying, well, I'm going to work with governors. So, you know, yeah, your guess is as good as mine what he actually will do. It's not like not having the authority under the Constitution stops them very often. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. So the idea of them, uh, uh, of 
the stimulus bills to come not lining the pockets of their like corporate donors and stuff is, is right. complete fantasy. Yes. Um, it's like and, when Obama said that the insurance companies were all against Obamacare. Yeah. Uh, no, sir. You are mandating everyone in the country buy their product. I yeah. don't think they're against that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, I'm not sure if you were on this episode or not, but uh, we definitely we talked a little bit about um, one of the stimulus bills and we sort of just went through like, OK, this many people are getting a check for this much money, which leaves like 80 percent of the money left to go to like big corporations. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, and that was I would say that was a pretty. um that was probably like the most the small, you know, individual as I've really gotten out of one of these crazy bills, you know? I yeah. mean, the 2008 bailouts, there was literally nothing in there for people, right? I mean, it was just like yeah, straight I mean, up. Here you go. The PPP was a lot of money for small businesses to cover the payroll, basically, yeah, during yeah. COVID. And, you know, that did go out. Uh, but, I mean, there was a huge amount of fraud, which is now only being uncovered. There was an article today where thousands of inmates in California's penitentiaries applied as fake businesses to get PPP money. <laughs> a dude put a rap on YouTube yes, about so how he got – okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, you can say uh, – no, I don't, we, I don't think I, we he talked did, about He put a rap on it. So I can't remember the line. It was like uh, – People be collecting uh, welfare checks. I just be applying for. Oh man, I can't remember the line. It was pretty funny though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he got like locked up. It's so funny, right? Yeah. They talk about selling drugs all the time, and then yeah. he talked about like doing this like PPE uh, fraud. Yeah. He just got immediately locked up. Just like yeah. I guess the paper trail was pretty easy. Like once he identified himself as a target to investigate, it was you know right. pretty easy. Like oh, he doesn't actually have a business. Okay, doesn't but, have employees. And then uh, and and this happened a few other places. A guy, uh, I think he escaped, got out of the country, got to Costa Rica or something. But I can tell you from having gone through the process, like uh, it's not that um, careful. I mean, it, I think that it would be pretty easy to scam the government out of money if your bank uh, is overwhelmed and they just kind of push your application through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so it's not that surprising. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not. I. The more I think about it, I mean, I just it. So this actually was another thing that came up a bit in the. Um, conversation i had with my buddy uh, last week and this was a something that he really you know uh that, that he really thought trump did a terrible job you know with the handling of the coronavirus stuff or whatever and you mm -hmm. know as we said i mean I'm, I'm sure he's made some mistakes or whatever but I, I just i just don't see that you know he had this huge impact uh, I, I mean, if you want to give him credit for, um, you know, moving the timeline up a whole lot with the vaccine, that that's cool. And to his, you know, but that that's like on the positive side. And he was like, oh, well, yeah. you know, anybody would do that. I was like, but if your argument is he's incompetent yeah. and he's doing what anybody would do, then <laughs> I still win. 
<laughs> I won the yeah. argument because you're saying anybody would do that. Well, not a totally incompetent person. Anyway, um, and I, yeah, I right. I mean, think you, well, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to say, okay, so is Trump uniquely incompetent or isn't he? Yeah. Yes, he is. Okay, then uh, what about you know Belgium, uh, the UK? Uh, France, Italy, like, are these places all governed by people as incompetent as Trump? Because they have body counts that are just as high and yeah. in some cases significantly higher, like Belgium. Like, yeah. nobody's pouring the hate on Belgium <laughs> because no one really knows why Belgium is doing so, so terribly. Mm-hmm. So they, but it like, is. I, yeah, I actually, I actually was looking around at some stuff today and had a couple questions. In this area, so so this is a good this is a good lead in. We can start with Belgium. So, would you describe um, Belgium as a com- a country that did have like a pretty strong lockdown policy? Uh, it's 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 disputed how how strong their lockdown is. I saw. Hold on, wait. I can bring this up. There's a policy response thing uh, plotter that shows oh, yeah. like how strong various countries lockdown was um i think you sent this and there isn't a strong correlation because one of the countries that had some of the strongest now there are countries that had extremely strong lockdowns and very good results like Mm. australia and new zealand being good examples of that but like a place like chile had an extremely strong lockdown as well as did italy uh and that's why during the summer fauci was going around saying oh, Italy did such a great job, blah, blah, blah. They really crushed it, this and that and the other thing. And then when it comes back, everyone shrugs their shoulders like, oh, uh, well, never mind. It's, there's, there's no curiosity. There's no desire to be like in any way consistent. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, um, stay-at-home requirements. Uh, go ahead. So I was looking at Germany. I mean, um, Germany yeah. had pretty strong lockdowns. I mean, it did they, they for a time. Like, mm-hmm. Full on like riots and stuff, and so things are back. And yeah, and I, you know, just like the simple kind of calculation of where they are at now. Um, I mean, they're, you know, if you just sort of multiply by you know the difference in population i mean I, I think we're we're in a pretty similar state right now in the you know the world uh the the united states and germany um Let's and see. people would claim you know and remember how funny how how weird germany was in the beginning remember they had yes. no like no deaths uh their their first wave was substantially less than most of their other peer countries. Yeah. Like, um and now Germany's daily number is is above is above Sweden. It is below ours by, you know, a, a, quite a decent amount, yeah. like 40% below ours, but it's not zero. But they have, you know, so if you they have like 80 million people and we have 320 million and when you well, I, I just I multiplied it out. It's something like they would be if they if you just you know, expanded their population at the same rate, they would be roughly around like 14, 1500 deaths a day. Whereas we're a topping 2000 a little bit mm-hmm. right now, according to Worldometers. Um, I, I'm looking at, I'm looking at our world and data. That's the site that I like. I think they have very nice charts and this is per million people. And uh, United States is at 
uh, daily deaths of seven-day average of 4.5, and Germany's 2.7. So, um, so, I mean, they're definitely below us right now. Um, you know, what else can I say besides that? Uh, yeah, that's it's interesting because that's like completely different than the numbers. Are you sure you're not talking about cases or are you no, talking about deaths? Death. We have 2,000, the last day reporting, November 24th today, we've got 2,187 in the U.S. If you're just doing a, a daily number, it fluctuates a lot over the course of the week. So right, you have right, to do like yeah. a seven-day rolling average. So I wouldn't look at any number that wasn't average to some extent. Yeah, we could um, say, so we're 1656. Was our daily mm. average according to worldometers? Mm. But anyway, the point is that it's it's hard to establish a strong connection between government policy and actual outcomes. Um, there is there is some correlation there for sure, um, but it is definitely not this like slam dunk, very strong correlation. Um, in the sense that you know you could predict how many deaths someone had by, uh, you know, the stringency of their lockdown. Like that isn't a thing. So I would um, just real quick, it's, it would be like nine thirty three, and we're at 1656. So, you know, pretty substantially different, yeah. but not like, I don't know. It's not, not to no, me as Germany, much Germany as you is, would expect, like from, you know, the caricature of Germany being right. like the quintessential lockdown, you know, like, Sure. We should have like tenfold more deaths, you know, <laughs> like. Mm -hmm. um, right. If you believe that. Right. And if you look at just a cumulative to date, uh, now we're still trending up. But I mean, so is France. So is the UK. So is Italy. But if you look at the cumulative, like Italy, United Kingdom, United States and France are all sitting together in their total. Belgium is a lot higher and Germany is a lot lower. Okay. So th there's a degree of convergence here. So it's like you don't just want to look at a point in time because even if you believe like the standard story about lockdowns, you could easily be trading cases now for cases in the future. Right. Um, and there's a lot of complexity here and I could talk for a lot of time. But the, the real point is that there is no silver bullet here. There's. Masks may work, but they're not a silver bullet by any stretch. Like lockdowns, there's the least evidence of any of these things. And even within lockdown, like, there's a lot of gradation. Like Sweden never really locked down, forced people in their home, but they did close. They did prevent like gatherings of more than uh, 25 or 50 people for a long time. Mm -hmm. But like at the same time, they left retail open and they left schools open and people were allowed to go to work. So, you know, you, you have to take a really comprehensive look at all these things to draw a strong yeah. conclusion. And if you look, uh, their second wave, uh, I mean, their deaths look like has already rolled over. Which country are you talking about Sweden. now? Yes, that's right. And they didn't even come close to the first wave. Um, that's right. So it's an interesting. I had, uh, so, you know, we had kind of looked at, at Sweden and some other, other these cases they say like, Oh, we may, you know, need to revisit this idea that once you had the first wave, you sort of, if it was bad enough, you kind of got to herd immunity and then hopefully you're kind of in the clear and now seeing uh, somewhat of a second wave in Sweden, it's like, Oh, well we have to rethink this. And what does that mean? I mean, you know, just throw an idea. Well, this is a seven month delay. Like 
does immunity only last seven months or whatever? But no. I had a friend of mine floated the um, the idea that it could also be a better environment now. Like it, in the colder weather, it's actually more contagious. So maybe that changes the herd immunity number and it kind of allows it to get back out. Like you're not, it's actually, you know, that calculation is different now. Like, because it's more than one person spreads it to 1.2, maybe it's 1.4 when it's cold and, or whatever. But he really felt strongly that he's like, man, these memory cells are really good. Like you're, you know, the odds of getting, that was <laughs> to keep, I keep thinking of things from that conversation. That was another thing. The, it, this, my friend like really feels like he is not won't let go of this idea that like once you get COVID once it's you're probably good. Apparently, one of our mutual friends has had COVID twice. Uh, that is very my, yeah. I was like, that's very unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this is like winning the lottery level of mm -hmm. of yeah. you know a coincidence that we know them, but yeah. even still it. It is uh, a quintessential anecdote. But anyway. So talking back on what you said, given that the Europe, a lot of these European nations had their second wave at about the same time, it does suggest there might be a degree of seasonality. On Sweden, I would say, is that the thing to keep in mind is that this second round of cases weren't in the same location as the first round. Mm. So the first wave was very much centered in Stockholm. And the second wave was more in the uh, other parts of the country. So just like if you look at U.S.'s chart, it looks very strange compared with a lot of other countries. Mm -hmm. And that's partially because we had very strong outbreaks, but they were regional. Mm -hmm. And a lot of other places are probably experiencing something similar. It is a fact that Italy's second wave is very strong, but it is not centered around the areas like Bergano, where the first wave really was devastating. So just saying a country has a second wave is like odd because like countries aren't, viruses don't recognize national boundaries. <laughs> a country uh, could be like a city state like Singapore, or it could be a giant sprawling thing that's the United States that goes from like Canada down to the tropics. Uh, and these are these are very different things. And you wouldn't necessarily expect to see cases rise and fall over the whole country at the same time because it's just not well mixed enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the 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 virus moves, but then you have, I guess, the possibility of like drastically different policies as you cross, you know, one um, which would actually lead to, you know, probably some of the better data. You know, if you had right. kind of like two really different, you know, policies right next to each other, um, mm -hmm. which is what they wanted to do with like Sweden and Finland and Norway. But, sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I don't, it's not a totally un, unfair comparison, but those countries like uh, they are they are right next to each other. And so it's a fair case to say against Sweden, like maybe they could have done against Norway, but but Sweden has an older population, those countries like. Yeah. You really want to be careful when you do these ca comparisons that you're doing it fairly. Like Sweden has like a fairly low population density averaged over the country, but there's a lot of parts of it that are not un that are just uninhabited completely. They have a lot of sort of empty territory. So really anybody who's like trying to give you like, here's the summary in five minutes is probably not looked at it hard enough. So 
unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to solve yeah. all the mystery here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but we can talk about the vaccines if you want. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, I've got a, I've, I've got a little like kind of a lead in to, to the okay. vaccine. Um, and you know, we can, we can sort of wrap it up there and end, uh, on a, with a bit of hope is, um, yep. I'm feeling a little optimistic, uh, in this one tiny sliver of going off brand there. Yeah. 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 So, uh, <laughs> um, about the seasonality. So with the flu, you have every year different strains, right? You know, multiple strains in one year, right? There are multiple strains in one year, and from year to year, sometimes one or more one strain is more prevalent and the other is. That's how they need a new vaccine every year, because they sample what's coming around and then they use that to make the, the vaccine. And these are like actual mutations. Like they're different. Like the 2011 flu is different than the 2012, the 2013. I don't know any more than I know that there are families that they organize them in. And if you go to like the WHO has like some very nice flu data on their website, they have it broken down every year, like nice bar charts, like the fraction that was one influenza something mm. and the fraction that was influenza something else. Okay. Uh, I don't know enough about like the way the strains go from year to year to know like, oh, this one's a direct, you know, descendant of this other one. Right, right. Um they're not new coming in from animals every year. That's that's I'm pretty sure about. But other than that, I don't know. Yeah. So the I I I have trouble with the seasonality. Like I don't I, I have trouble imagining like how how it would work because let's you know who's left to get it because it got cold. You know, like once I've got it, I'm immune. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're sort of moving with that assumption. I, the the flu, I feel like the reason you keep getting it is because there's different ones. That's sort of how I was, and and it yeah. becomes more contagious. So basically, the flu is so seasonal that it's like mm -hmm. basically it's just not spreadable in the warm weather, and it only mm -hmm. becomes spreadable in the cold weather. But you don't have these long lived immunities to it. Um, Maybe because of the nature of just how that immunity works, but I think more so because there are different flus. Mm -hmm. um, so and that makes sense. I'm not. I'm not placing. I'm not betting yeah, the farm yeah. on seasonality. I'm just yeah, pointing yeah. out that it's a, it's a plausible theory. Yeah. Um, so I. So that was. I was surprised that he, uh, because th this is what he brought up was that it was cold, but he wasn't really. Because I was thinking like, oh, well, it's not, but it doesn't make sense that it would be seasonal since we had the worst part of the pandemic in the spring, you know, mm -hmm. like, like, but that wasn't really his point. His point was more that it's just more contagious. Like, this is so contagious that it is a lot more contagious yeah. than the flu. Its replication number is like a factor of three higher. Yeah. Yeah. So it's able to propagate even off season. Basically. Yeah. So we could, you know, so it would make sense that I guess it's like it's more, you know, more virile uh, in the cold mm -hmm. weather. So that, yeah. So anyway, I mean, I'd already sort of made that um, 
put that theory out there that just that it changes the basically the numbers for herd immunity and so places that once were there weren't but once they get there assuming like a relatively static population they should be fine henceforth mm -hmm. like next winter when it gets you know more contagious again it doesn't really matter and at some point i would assume it would just sort of go away right like if it can't mm -hmm. be spread it would so I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, cold viruses are constantly circulating, and a bunch of them are coronaviruses. Uh, we don't know a lot about why kids are less affected, but kids get an average of like five to six colds a year, and adults, it's like one or two. I think is the average, something like that. And that people are saying that may be the reason why kids, because they haven't been exposed to it in the past. So why are kids less affected by coronavirus? Mm. Well, maybe it's because they have more exposure to other coronaviruses yeah. um that's kind of a well-known phenomenon of viral interference yeah. of one one virus interfering with the uh, similar one's ability to propagate yeah so affect the, system. the last piece on this before we get that this is this is setting setting the table for a vaccine is sure. another thing um that we were talking about in this was that the you know, coronaviruses don't mutate that quickly or, you know, to see another strain like we the expectation isn't like, man, we're going to be dealing with like all these different like I don't even know if it would be sensible to call it COVID-19 anymore, but just like yeah. mutations of this, like we're dealing mm -hmm. with this forever like the flu. His basic premise was the a successful vaccine assuming mm -hmm. we can do it and get enough people to to take it will end this yeah that was that was like his message of hope <laughs> in his his opinion i i don't know enough about it i would i think that that is probably true because I, at least i know for the enteric coronaviruses for which they have had a vaccine in the past and they inoculate animals with these I don't think they give a new one every year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's just you really need an expert to tell to tell you that. I mean, I did read that article very early on from the Australian expert in coronaviruses, and his opinion was that it would be the immunity would last a number of years. Mm -hmm. So he didn't have an expectation that it would mutate very rapidly. But this is a new thing. So, right. Yeah. I mean, it it jumped from animals to humans. So it suggests some degree maybe of malleability. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe that's one of the things that lets it survive. I also, but I also did read that there are different strains of this COVID-19 already. And that was what of the question was whether or not the one that was circulating in Europe was more deadly than the one they had in China. Mm. And I think these are all still like open questions. I don't think anybody like knows the answer to them yet yes i remember them talking about the possibility of multiple strains but mm -hmm. i have not i did not no, i haven't heard about that since yet. then i know and that seems like again kind of like you you sort of saying like uh or we talked about last time about kind of the the sort of uh sad kind of bent to research these days you know, mm -hmm. being so politically motivated, I would think that, you know, being able to make a more fearful, make the virus more dangerous, uh, <laughs> that research would be supported. So I tend to like assume that 
it wouldn't, but that's obviously not, you know, good enough to actually close the door. But I don't know. I just feel like if they had found more evidence of this, they would be blasting it out everywhere. No freedom. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. There's so much going on right now. Maybe, yeah. maybe those are just waiting in the wings yeah. to get into the limelight. I, I don't understand why certain magazines with with more <laughs> stuff to shoot it. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You know it. what? What were you saying? I, I cut you off. I said. I said it's hard for me to understand why some papers that are really terrible, like get in the public eye and everybody's talking about them, and other ones that mm-hmm. are interesting and seem more relevant don't. Yeah. It seems like it's just like. An idiot journalist gets forwarded like a paper and is spoon fed what it means and whether that's right or wrong, they run with it. Yeah. And then it's all over the cover of Atlantic magazine and CNN.com. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So what do you want to say about the vaccines? So the, the vaccine situation is looking very good. So we've got, uh, the first one announced was, uh, I believe the Pfizer one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, one from Moderna and then from AstraZeneca in collaboration with Oxford University. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pfizer one uh, was the first one to be announced. Everyone was very excited. The challenge there was that it needed these ridiculously cold, like negative uh, 80 degree C refrigerators or something because it's a live cell culture. It's one of these new type of vaccines. It's a new technology. Oh. And I think the Moderna one is as well but it doesn't require quite as extreme of refrigeration for whatever reason. Okay. The AstraZeneca technology is more standard and can do with normal refrigeration. That's another reason why people are excited about it. There's some issues with the AstraZeneca one, which I'll get into. The upshot here is that for all three of these, they claim they can achieve 90% plus efficacy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the way this is established was, For all of these vaccines, uh, the Moderna was given to uh, 30,000 people, the Pfizer 45,000, and the Oxford uh, 23,000 with the asterisk there, which I'll get back to later. Okay. And then uh, in those, of those tens of thousands now, this is the the only negative part. So Pfizer gave it to 45,000, only 170 people total out of that 45,000 got COVID. Mm Mm-hmm. But 162 of those were in the control group and only eight in the treatment group. So that's that is how they extracted this 90 plus percent efficacy from that from those numbers. And then in the Moderna, it was 90 in the placebo and five in the treatment group out of 30,000. And it was something similar for the AstraZeneca. Uh, There's a problem there with that, as I'll mention, though. So. The problem is that so these aren't uh, challenge trials, meaning they just giving people this vaccine and then letting them live their lives. And uh-huh. then if they happen to get COVID later, they get it. Uh, now, maybe there's some there are some problems with this, namely that it's possible you're not picking up on, say, like the the, the weak cases. But that's OK. Like if the if the vaccine gives you maybe a partial immunity such that you have like a, a very mild or so mild of a case, you never find out about it like. I consider that working as well. Yeah, yeah. And if we're talking about 90%, that should be more than enough to stop the virus like dead in its tracks. Let me ask you real quick and, about the, the numbers. So when you say the case where the uh, 5 and 90, so the placebo, yeah. 90 of them, those are the actual, those are the numbers that they're using. So they're saying basically yeah. 5 versus 90, and that's how they come yeah. up with this. And everything exactly. else, because you can't really say 
you you don't because you don't know who was exposed to it. You just assume. Well, we have twenty thousand here, and 20, I don't know. To how first many to first placebo. order, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, if if you had really good data, you would know what the prevalence was, where these people were. Mm-hmm. But because there's so many people, and they're probably spread out over a decent distance, you're not going to want to like for the masking study that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Maybe we will someday. Like knowing what the prevalence is, is very important for figuring out how well masks work. But for this, you just are comparing number of people who got COVID and got the meds versus number got COVID and not. So we're small numbers here of people who actually got it. But the differences are so significant that it looks good. Hmm. Um, Hmm. So, so that's the that's the really good news. Um, The other, so the other thing that I'll say looks really good here is. they gave these to a lot of people, 30,000, 45,000, and 23,000. Um, the AstraZeneca one, I know, got a hold on it in September because uh, one of the patients had an adverse reaction. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to look at carefully the Moderna or the, the Pfizer historical results. Mm-hmm. But assuming, assuming that I haven't missed anything major, which I think really should have been reported if it was, we're looking at many tens of thousands of people getting it without any like deaths or severe adverse reactions Mm -hmm. that have been reported at least. So if that's the case, then I would say uh, based on my data, at least for people 40 and above, the vaccine is definitely safer than getting COVID. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Insofar as you're someone who is on the fence saying, well, you know, they're really rushing this, like that's all true. Yeah. yeah. But at least insofar as uh, you can trust that we are finding out about the people who have severe reactions and insofar as you can expect to know about any negative effects within the time frame that we have available to us a couple months, then the vaccine is safer than COVID. Mm. So that's good. Yeah. Whereas if it was like, if it was a challenge trial, which is what you'd want if you were really uncertain about whether the vaccine worked at all, like let's say it only was like 50% effective, then it's really hard if you're at low prevalence to even find out if it works. So what you really want is to give people the vaccine and then expose them to COVID. Yeah. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are unwilling to really do that. So in this case, we find out a lot about the safety, which is good. So Given how strong of a result they're getting, A, and given that they give it to a lot of people, that's both reasons that you should trust the vaccine based on what we know so far. So one one thing I think about with the, uh, you know, nine. So, okay, let's say the one case uh, or the one run trial where, let's say, you know, 30,000 people are given the vaccine. So that means the placebo was given to 30,000 people as well? It, strangely enough, the article I read was not clear whether or not it was 30,000 who were in the trial or 30,000 who got the treatment. So the numbers could be half of what I'm saying. Okay, but it's but no, no, even no less distrib- than half. Yeah, even though 15,000, yes. they gave as many placebos as actual. Yes. Because, so then they can just directly compare these two numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you, I did see at least. Go ahead. I, I'm just gonna say, if you don't inherently trust them, which, you know, I don't. Um, you know, I think people have, have, uh, you know, cooked numbers for a lot less than the amount of money 
you know, they're going to make on this. Um, now, I, you know, I guess you have to think that, like, well, that's eventually those chickens would come home to roost as they, like, realized that the vaccine wasn't working well. I don't know. Um, I, but you I'd could, say there's, there's two more skeptical. Uh, I'll bring it. I'll let me finish your point yeah, yeah. and then I'll bring up more so, reasons to be skeptical. I'll help you out here. Okay. Well, I would just say that, um, you know, you could, for instance, have the 15,000 placebo people in, you know, uh, regions where there are, you know, outbreaks happening and the other 15,000 that got the, you know, like in uh, a place that already had like reached herd immunity or something. And there really wasn't, you know, where that would really throw off the numbers. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I'm, you know, I would, <laughs> I would just hope that somebody's like looks that well, and that could even happen like by accident, you know, I guess, uh, um, you know, because that would be of a pretty regional. major screw up. I'm yeah. not saying it's impossible, but right, that would right. be a that would be like bad. it's obviously obviously incorrect and wrong, and someone should have noticed that. Right, but like I'm these gonna, people should I'm live tell in you the a same story way. in a minute. Okay. All right, it's going to make you like more suspicious. Okay. All right, all right. I'm just saying you could do that and then present these, and I mean the 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 superficial nature of media and 99 of the population of the world would never dig into that, and if if we saw that and started talking about it, we could easily be branded as conspiracy theorists and and sure. and, and you know just. But I mean, there, there, this data is generally handed over to the approval agencies, so yeah. they'd have to be like faking the data as well. I admit that, like when all three of these came out and they were all ninety plus percent, which is quite rare for a vaccine, uh-huh. that seemed odd to me. Like. That Pfizer announced that it had a 90%. And then the other two announced like within a like Moderna announced within a week and then the AstraZeneca a week after yeah, that. Yeah. And they were like, oh, ours is above 92. Yeah. Like didn't didn't uh Pfizer come back and update their number to be like 95? They beat uh, Moderna I, I, by may, like maybe I, I don't know. I could I could easily believe it, but like and that's the kind of thing that does give you pause, like because yeah. there shouldn't be an element of salesmanship here. It should be about like you can trust us a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so here are the things that to reasons to to not believe what I just said. Uh, okay. One is, uh, in general, the people they recruit for these studies are people in good health who are not old, who don't have any other conditions and are not taking any other medication. This is a very standard thing for drug trials, and it is a terrible, terrible policy, particularly for most drugs that are given to people who are taking other drugs and have other conditions and are old. Uh But it is the way it is always done. So insofar as I'm basing my numbers for whether or not it's safe on the risk of COVID stratified by age, you can't necessarily say that this is safe because that number is not like age stratified in any way. Mm. Cause the people who got this were probably all between 20 and, and 50 years old at the oldest, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so, that's you're, w- so you're saying, can you actually use this if you are somebody that is taking medications or has underlying conditions or something like that? 
And this happened, yeah, and it happens all the time with drugs that they're released based on clinical trials that include people who are in perfect health and are taking no other medications, and then they discover a drug interaction. And it has to be taken off the market, or then you say, "Well, don't give it to someone if they have this other thing." You yeah, know, you yeah. might think, "Shouldn't this have been taken care of?" No, because those aren't the kinds of things that are checked. Oh man. Um, so and so and so now and then the other thing that should going to set off a little bit of alarm bells is so the AstraZeneca one, the third one to come out. Um, the top line number is like seventy something percent uh, efficacy, which is very reasonable. But the number you're going to see reported is 90%. Okay. So 23,000 patients were in the trial. 3,000 of those patients were given the wrong dosage for their first injection. 3,000 of those 23,000. Okay. And within that group is the 90% efficacy. So... They screwed up the dosage on an experimental medication that they gave to 3,000 people uh-huh. and are spinning that shit into gold. <laughs> well, are they saying, oh, we, we, we thought this was the wrong dosage, but this is, is that the dosage they will give or are they actually going to? Yeah, I mean, that's what they want. That's what they want to use going forward. They're saying, oh, it's serendipity. Yeah. So basically, uh, like, I, I've seen how the sausage is made. Like I know mistakes in the lab lead to yeah, results, but right, right. you would think you would think you'd have a pretty rigorous protocol for determining the dose for like a medication that hasn't been out there and it's like new and experimental. Right. Yeah, but you would be wrong. <laughs> you'd be a fool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. Just you know, because. Uh, Go with whatever whatever your gut says. We'll use that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. So really, they did a trial with 3,000 people. If, if you hear the number 90%, it's a trial with 3,000 yeah. people. But the dosage that they gave the wrong dosage was lower, not higher. So, mm. you know, it's better. It's better for in terms of like the safety and stuff, you know, less is better always. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk at all about the... Um, just they did. There is, and I. It's fine if you just don't have really anything to say about this, but there is some general fears about this type of vaccination. Um, I, from what I understand, they're basically taking a piece of like some of the proteins that are they. I think they call them sometimes spike proteins, but basically the yes. proteins that are yes. the corona. Um, and that is all you're getting injected with. Like you're not actually getting injected with the virus. You're getting injected mm-hmm. with this piece that do spike into your cells. Your cells don't like that. They fight it off. And then they remember this thing, um, theoretically, so that when a real coronavirus, a full fledged one comes, he tries to use the same signature of spike proteins and they are sniffed out quickly and they are attacked and eradicated. Um, is that your understanding of like the basic, like very high level way that this is supposed to work? I read something similar to that, but can't add anything yeah. intelligent. I know it has something to do with the spike protein and I don't know anything more than that. And I don't know anything more about this new vaccine technology. Like what are the risks and the benefits Yeah. Uh, other than it's new and it requires this much harder to do like, 
uh, harder transport because of the extremely low temperatures you need to keep it at. That's all I know about it. And then like the numbers from the trial. So no, I can't help. Yeah. And I, you know, I honestly haven't, you know, really looked into that. I mean, th- these fears tend to come from more of the, the hard conspiracy side of my life and, and those yeah. sources. Uh, but I've also been hearing them for a while. Um, but yeah, sorry, I can't really, you know, I don't know if any of that, of that ilk, um, are listening. I, w- I wish we could quell those fears or at least say something But I mean, about we're, we're not going to be able to do that from the scientific side. Like the proof is really in the trials. Like right. they have to either be faking the trial data or hiding the people that got sick or it's safe. Yeah. One of those three things is true. Or maybe it's a very subtle thing that plays out over a long, long time. It, and and, and then, I gave that I gave that caveat at the beginning yeah. too. We only can be sure insofar as we have things. So one thing to look at would be in that uh, vaccine that was rushed out in the 70s, uh, which there was like a pretty bad adverse reaction and made them stop giving it to people. Uh, what was the time frame over what something like that developed? But then you really got to talk to someone who's familiar with the technologies. Yeah. But like I, I, for a new technology, I don't necessarily expect them to know. Now, I do think they've been giving this stuff to animals for a lot longer than they giving it to humans. So. You know, yeah, there's some, there's probably some idea and, you know, all, all I can say is I think it's very unlikely that they're faking the trial data. Mm-hmm. And so it's really this, like, whether there is some long-term complication is uh, really like the only thing that you would have to, to be worried about. And so the longer you wait to do it, and it will be some time. The longer we're going to have, because they're going to start giving this to a lot of people by the end of the year. Like all the first responders and stuff are going to start yeah. getting this pretty soon by the end of the year. And and the, and the and coronavirus is very, very dangerous to old people. So, and they don't have to worry as much about these really long, like multi-year consequences either. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very strongly the case that unless the side effects are much worse in the older population, which is a possibility, it is a good idea to start moving this through the system yeah, now yeah. and getting this out, getting this out to people. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's kind of where I'm landing right now. Um, <laughs> it is a, it, it is disappointing though, that they're not running trials on, you know, an older population. Um, yeah. you know, we do that in the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that makes me, you know, nervous because it's also not really going to happen when you're getting the first responders and stuff. You know, you don't have like 80 year old nurses getting, uh, yeah. you know, and police officers and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, I worry, I worry about my mom, my stepdad. Um, yeah. you know, they're 76 and 78 and, you know, my stepdad is about to go into another treatment for bladder cancer. Um, yeah. you know, so he's got real, you know, exist, uh, you know, conditions, um, that, that mm-hmm. while not respiratory, I, I can't imagine his body is, you know, nearly at the, uh, usual strength for fighting things off, you know? Yeah. I mean, if he's, if he's got chemo, he's doing chemo or some of these cancer therapies, they suppress the immune system yeah. for those, it's I not, think. So yeah, it's, it's not going to work that well, maybe in, in yeah. those folks. Yeah. So they are skipping Thanksgiving. I'm going to go up to okay. the PA, uh, so I'll be subjected to that, you know, uh, author- author- authoritarian uh, state that they have going. Not not <laughs> like the freedom that we're loving in Georgia. 
Um, yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna probably get my first COVID test tomorrow. You're supposed to get it before you go in. Um, so I've never done that. <laughs> I was going to because I'm going also to see family from New Jersey, and they wouldn't give it to me. Oh, uh, it's like we're nine months we're nine months in, and I went on CVS's uh, website. They're like, come in for COVID. I'm just like, okay, I want the test. Do you yeah. have any of these symptoms? No, 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 no. And they were like, you don't qualify. I was like, I don't <laughs> qualify. I just want to get a test. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Wait, yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. Uh anyway, yeah. It's like I people were in line for, for six hours in New York City, and they're not going to get their test back until after. You're not going to get your test back <clears throat> until after Thanksgiving. You might as well right. not even do it at this point because all the labs are totally backlogged. Because for some boneheaded reason, they didn't plan ahead, and they, some of the places don't have this. Uh, time to do it and some of them are running out of supplies yeah it's like well, we're nine months into this and he's still like it's the first week yeah well we do have rapid test uh places here in atlanta i don't i don't know if they're yes. getting swamped but those will give you back you know within in hours or even the, less the rapid tests are good and i'll tell you what they're gonna have a pretty high uh, false positive rates. They have a relatively low positive predictive power for the prevalences that you have in Atlanta. Hmm. So if you get it, let me know and I'll tell you what the likelihood is that you actually have it, even if it comes back positive. <laughs> awesome. Well, I can't. If it comes back positive, I, I've got to suppress that because they won't let me travel into Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you, you signal and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what the... <laughs> Yeah, I'll just have to go get another another test. And, uh, but yeah. it doesn't matter because, like, if you don't have a test when you get in the PA, you just have to quarantine, which basically means okay. I'm just going to go to my brother's house, which I was going to do anyway because it's where the turkey is going to be located. So, okay, uh, yeah, I'll watch that. There's a, there's a, a big fight this weekend. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a weird one, a boxing match. I'll also be watching this weekend and then um, – Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. This is uh, two kind of <laughs> they're coming out of retirement and they're fighting on Saturday. So wow. pay-per-view. I imagine these numbers are gonna be pretty high. I know for me it'll um they look like they've been tracking their training and stuff, and they look like they're I mean Tyson looks like a total animal right now. Um they're like amazing shape. These guys are like in their fifties, man. Yeah. Just like yeah, Tyson's great. Terrifying. Uh yeah, he seems like he's been on an very fascinating like mind walk of a life in his like 40s and 50s i mean he yeah i i I love i love tyson um anyway so all right well you know i i remember early advice uh that you gave well maybe maybe i won't classify as advice but a comment you made is you probably won't be taking the first batch of the vaccine Mm -hmm. remember you saying how do you feel now? I mean, I guess we're not, right? We're not first responders, so it's sort of the way it's set up. We really yeah, we're, we're not going to, but I feel much more comfortable seeing how many people have already been in these trials. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Well, so I um I talked to Adam at the begin or before we started recording and I think this is going to be the last episode of No Hope the podcast. I'm not I'm not saying that you know i'll never be back or we'll never be back you know never do anything again maybe it will just be a a a bit of a hiatus but i feel like i've been kind of losing steam a bit it's been feeling a bit more like a chore 
you know, um, you said, I, I, I talked about it a bit last week too, so I, this might not be a big surprise, but um, the uh, Trump going away is probably going to really, I, I just think it'd be a lot more boring to talk about Biden. So that, that may, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, may, uh, may also uh, change things. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, what, what the future holds, but don't, don't expect, uh, you know, any more No Hope the Podcast episodes. I think, I think if eventually something else does come out, maybe we'll, Branded, different, maybe come in a new medium. I, I, I have this camera that I barely use. I've done a couple episodes with it, but um, yeah. Anyway, so this is our All right. swan song. Hiatus. We'll just call yeah. it a hiatus for now. Yeah. But I like, I feel like we, you know, we really got somewhere though. In 66 mm-hmm. episodes, there's finally hope. Like we're saying. Yes. You know? Like we we did it. I mean, maybe that's also part of it. We just had to get here. Um, you know, if found I found hope, yeah, <laughs> hope found. Maybe that'll be our <laughs> new thing later. But uh, yeah, I I imagine I'm gonna you know we're at least go through the holidays and stuff, and then you know re- recharge and and see you know see how how things are. Things are going. Um, it'll give me a chance to, to focus on finishing uh, the album, PB LaRue's uh, album called Grace. It'll be coming out eventually. I've got three, three singles out on Spotify, and I, I think my next thing will probably be the full album, but, um, you know. But yeah, that's it. I don't know, Adam, you're going to say anything to no i mean i hope hope people enjoyed it i hope you learned a few things i hope uh, you feel better about covid now than uh you did when we first started doing this so yeah good luck out there everyone Uh, i think it'll be a great next year awesome all right everybody uh take it easy and uh you know i don't know fuck the government yeah (laughs) bye-bye